Hello, everyone. My name is Shreya, and you're listening to the Harry Potter Podcast. Previous episode, we read Chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. In this episode, we'll be reading Chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. I hope you enjoy, so let's begin. Chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. It was Quirrell. You! gasped Harry. Quirrell smiled. His face wasn't twitching at all. Me, he said calmly. I wondered whether I'd be meeting you here, Potter. But I thought, Snape, Severus, Quirrell laughed. And it wasn't his usual quivering treble either, but cold and sharp. Yes, Severus does seem the type, doesn't he? So useful to have him swooping around like an overgrown brat. Next to him, who would suspect poor stuttering Professor Quirrell? Harry couldn't take it in. This couldn't be true. It couldn't. But Snape tried to kill me. No, no, I tried to kill you. Your friend Miss Granger actually knocked me over as she rushed to set the fire on Snape at the Quidditch match. She broke my eye contact with you. Another few seconds and I'd have got you off that broom. I'd have managed it before then if Snape hadn't been muttering a counter curse trying to save you. Snape was trying to save me. Of course, said Quirrell coolly. Why do you think he wanted to referee your next match? He was trying to make sure I didn't do it again. Funny, really. He needn't have bothered. I couldn't do anything with Dumbledore watching. All the teachers thought Snape was trying to stop Gryffindor winning. He did make himself unpopular. And what a waste of time. When, after all that, I'm going to kill you tonight. Quirrell snapped his fingers. Ropes sprang out of thin air and wrapped themselves tightly around Harry. You're too nosy to live, Potter. Scare around in the school at Halloween like that? For all I knew, you'd seen me coming to look at what was guarding the stone. You let the troll in? Certainly. I have a special gift with trolls. You must have seen what I did to one in the chamber back there. Unfortunately, while everyone else was running around looking for it, Snape, who already suspected me, went straight to the third floor to head me off. And not only did my troll fail to beat you to death, that three-headed dog didn't even manage to bite Snape's leg off properly. Now wait, Potter. I need to examine this interesting mirror. It was only then that Harry realized what was standing behind Quirrell. It was the mirror of Erisa. This mirror is the key to find the stone, Quirrell murmured, tapping his way around the frame. Trust Dumbledore to come up with something like this. But he's in London. I'll be far away by the time he gets back. All Harry could think of doing was to keep Quirrell talking to him and stop him concentrating on the mirror. I saw you and stayed with the forest, he blurted out. Yes, said Quirrell idly walking around the mirror to look at the back. He was on me by the time, trying to find out how far I'd got. He suspected me all along, tried to frighten me, as though he could, when I had Lord Voldemort on my side. 
Quirrell came back out from the mirror and started hungrily into it. It's a stone. I'm presenting it to my master. But where is it? Harry struggled against the ropes binding him, but they didn't give. He had to keep Quirrell from giving his whole attention to the mirror. But Snape always seemed to hate me so much. Oh, he does, said Quirrell casually. Heavens, yes. He was at Hogwarts with your father, didn't you know? They loathed each other, but he never wanted you dead. But I heard you a few days ago, sobbing. I thought Snape was threatening you. For the first time, a spasm of fear fluttered across Quirrell's face. Sometimes, he said, I find it hard to follow my master's instructions. He's a great wizard, and I'm weak. You mean he was there in the classroom with you? Harry gasped. He is with me wherever I go, said Quirrell quietly. I met him and traveled around the world. A foolish young man I was then, full of ridiculous ideas about good and evil. Lord of Voldemort showed me how wrong I was. There is no good and evil. There is only power, and those who want to seek it. Since then, I have served him faithfully. Although I have let him down many times, he has had to be very hard on me, Quirrell shivered suddenly. He does not forgive mistakes easily. When I failed to steal the stone from Ringworth, he was most displeased. He punished me, decided he would have to keep a closer watch on me. Quirrell's voice tailed away. Harry was remembering his dripped diagonally. How could he be so stupid? He'd seen Quirrell there that day, shaking hands with him in the leaky cauldron. Quirrell cursed under his breath. I don't understand. The stone is inside the mirror. Should I break it? Harry's mind was racing. What I want more than anything else in the world at the moment, he thought, is to find the stone before Quirrell does. So if I look in the mirror, I should see myself finding it. Which means I'll see where it's hidden. But how can I look without Quirrell realizing what I'm up to? He tried to edge to the left to get in front of the glass without Quirrell noticing, but the ropes around his ankles were too tight. He tripped and fell over. Quirrell ignored him. He was still talking to himself. What does the mirror do? How does it work? Help me, master. And to Harry's horror, a voice answered. The voice seemed to be coming from Quirrell himself. Use the boy. Use the boy. Quirrell rounded on Harry. Yes, Potter, come here. He clapped his hands once, and the rope binding Harry fell off. Harry got slowly to his feet. Come here, Quirrell repeated. Look at the mirror, and tell me what you see. Harry walked towards him. I must lie, he thought desperately. I must look and lie about what I see, that's all. Quirrell moved close behind him. Harry breathed in the funny smell that seemed to be coming from Quirrell's turban. He closed his eyes, stepped in front of the mirror, and opened them again. He saw his reflection, pale and scared-looking at first, but a moment later the reflection smiled at him. He put his hand in his pocket and pulled out a blood-red stone. It winked and put the stone back in his pocket, and as it did so, Harry felt something heavy drop into his real pocket. Somehow, incredibly, he had got the stone. Well, said Quirrell impatiently, what do you see? Harry screwed up his courage. 
I see myself shaking hands with Dumbledore, he invented. I've, I've won the house cup for Gryffindor. Quill cursed again. Get out of the way, he said. As Harry moved aside, he felt the philosopher's stone against his leg. Dare he may break for it? But he hadn't walked five paces before a high voice spoke. The Quill wasn't moving his lips. He lies. He lies. Potter, come back here. Quill shouted. Tell me the truth. What do you see? The voice spoke to him again. Let me speak to him. Face to face. Master, you are not strong enough. I have strength enough for this. Harry felt as the devil's snare was rooting him to the spot. He couldn't move a muscle. Petrified, he watched as Quirrell reached up and began to unwrap his turban. What was going on? The turban fell away. Quirrell's head looked strangely small without it. Then he turned slowly on the spot. Harry would have screamed, but he couldn't make a sound. Where there should be have been the back of Quirrell's head, there was a face, the most terrible face Harry had ever seen. It was chalk white with glaring red eyes and slits for nostrils, like a snake. Harry Potter, it whispered. Harry tried to take a step backwards, but his legs wouldn't move. See what I've become, the face said, mere shadow and vapor. I have form only when I can share another's body. But there have been always been those willing to let me into their head and hearts. Unicorn blood has strengthened me these past weeks. You saw faithful Quirrell drinking it from me in the forest. I once had had the exile of life. I will be able to create a body of my own. Now, why don't you give me the stone in your pocket? So he knew. The feeling suddenly surged back into Harry's legs. He stumbled backwards. Don't be a fool, snarled the face. But save yourself and join me, or you'll be the same end as your parents. They died begging me for mercy. Liar! Harry shouted suddenly. Quirrell was walking backwards at him so Voldemort could see him. The face was now smiling. How touching, he attested. I always value bravery. Yes, boy. Your parents were brave. I killed your father first, and he put a courageous fight. But your mother needn't have died. She was trying to protect you. Now give me the stone, unless you want her to have died in vain. Never! Harry sprang towards the flame door, but Voldemort screamed, Seize him! And next second, Harry felt Quirrell's hand close on his wrist, and once a needle sharp pain seared across Harry's scar. His head felt as though it was about to split in two. He yelled, struggled with all his might, and to his surprise, Quirrell let go of him. The pain in his head lessened. He looked around widely to see where Quirrell had gone and saw him hunching in pain, looking at his fingers. They were blistering before him. Seize him! Seize him! shrieked Voldemort again and again. Quirrell lunged knocking Harry clean off his feet, landing on the top of them, both hands around Harry's neck. Harry's scar was almost 
blinding him with pain. Yet he could see Quill howling in agony. Master, I cannot hold him. My hands, my hands. And Quill threw pinning Harry to the ground with his own knees, let go of his neck, and stared bewildered at his own. Palms. Harry could see they looked burnt, raw, red, and shiny. Then kill him, fool, and be done, screeched Voldemort. Quirrell raised his hand to perform a deadly curse, but Harry, by instinct, reached up and grabbed Quirrell's face. Ah! Quirrell rolled off him, his face blistering too, and then Harry knew. Quirrell couldn't touch his bare skin, not without suffering terrible pain. His only chance was to keep hold of Quirrell, keep an enough pain to stop him by doing the curse. Harry jumped to his feet, caught Quirrell by the arm, and hung on as tight as he could. Quirrell screamed and tried to throw Harry off. The pain in Harry's head was building. He couldn't see. He could only hear Quirrell's terrible shrieks and Voldemort yells, Kill him! Kill him! And other voices, maybe in Harry's own head, crying, Harry! Harry! He felt Quirrell's arm wrenched from his grasp, knew all was lost, and fell into blackness. Down, down, down. Something gold was glinting above him. The snitch! He tried to catch it, but his arms were too heavy. He blinked. It wasn't the snitch at all. It was a pair of glasses. How strange. He blinked again. The smiling face of Albus Dumbledore swam into view above him. Good afternoon, Harry. Dumbledore. Harry stared at him. Then he remembered. Sir! Sir, the stone! It was Quirrell! He got the stone! Sir, quick! Calm yourself, dear boy. You are a little behind at, at the times, said Dumbledore. Quirrell does not have the stone. Then who does? Sir, I... Harry, please relax or Madame Pomfrey will have me thrown out. Harry swallowed and looked around him. He realized that he was in the hospital wing. He was lying in a bed and white linen sheets, and next to him was a table piled high with what looks like half the sweet shop. Tokens from your friends and admirers, said Dumbledore, beaming. What happened down in the dungeons between you and Professor Quirrell is a complete secret, so naturally the whole school knows. I believe your friends, Mr. Fred and George Weasley, were responsible for trying to send you a lavatory seat. No doubt they thought it would amuse you, Madame Pumphrey, however, but it may not be very hygienic and consecrated. How long have I been here? Three days. Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Granger will be most relieved you have come around. They have been extremely worried. But, sir, Stone, I see you are not to be distracted. Very well, Stone. Professor Curiel did not manage to take it from you. I arrived at the time to prevent that. Although, you are doing very well on your own, I must say. You got there? You got Hermione's out? We must have crossed in midair. No sooner had I reached London than it became clear to me that the place I should be was the one I had just left. I arrived just in time to pull Quirrell off you. It was you. I feared I might be too late. You nearly were. I couldn't have kept him off the stone much longer. But the stone, boy? You. The effort involved nearly killed you. 
For one moment there, I was afraid it had. As for the stone, it has been destroyed. Destroyed? Said Harry bleakly. But your friend Nicholas Lamel. Oh, you know about Nicholas? Said Dumbledore, sounding quite delighted. You did do the thing properly, didn't you? Well, Nicholas and I had a chat, and agreed it's for the best. But that means he and his wife will die, won't they? They have enough exhausted to set their affairs in order, and then yes, they will die. Dumbledore smiled at the look of amazement on Harry's face. To one as young as you, I'm sure it seems incredible, but to Nicholas and Perronel, it really is like going to bed after a very, very long day. After all, to a well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. You know, the stone was really not such a wonderful thing. As much money and life as you could want. The two things most human beings would choose above all. The trouble is, humans do not have the knack of choosing precisely those things which are the worst for them. Harry lay there, lost for words. Dumbledore hummed a little and smiled at the ceiling. Sir, said Harry, I've been thinking, sir, even if... The stone's gone. Vol, I mean, you know who. Call him Voldemort. Harry, always use the proper name for things. Fear of the name increases fear of the thing itself. Yes, sir. Well, Voldemort's going to try other ways of coming back, isn't he? I mean, he hasn't gone yet, has he? No, Harry, he has not. He's still out he there somewhere, perhaps looking for another body to share. Not being truly alive, he cannot be killed. He left Quirrell to die. He shows just a little mercy to his followers his, as his enemies. Nevertheless, Harry, you, while you may have only have delayed his return to power, it will merely take someone else who is prepared to fight what seems to be losing a battle next time. And if he is delayed again and again, why, he may never return to power. Harry nodded, but stopped quickly because it made his head hurt. Then he said, Sir, there are some other things I'd like to know, if you can tell me. Things I want to know the truth about. The truth. Dumbledore sighed. It's a beautiful and terrible thing, and should therefore be treated with a great caution. However, I shall answer your questions unless I have very good reason not to. In which case, I beg you to forgive me. I shall not, of course, lie. Well, Voldemort said that he only killed my mother because she tried to... Stop him killing me. But why would he want to kill me in the first place? Dumbledore sighed very deeply this time. Alas, the first thing you ask me, I cannot ask you. Or tell you. Not today, not now. You will know one day. Put it in your mind now, Harry. When you are older, I know you hate to hear this. When you are ready, you will know. And Harry knew it would be no good to argue. But why couldn't Quirrell touch me? Your mother died to save you. If there is one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love as powerful as your mother for you to leave marks on his own, not a scar, not a visible sign, but have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. It is in your very skin, quarrel, full of hatred, greed, and ambition. 
sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for this reason. It was agony to touch a person marked by something so good. Dumbledore now became very interested in a bird out the window sill, which gave Harry time to dry his eyes on the sheet. He had found his voice again, Harry said. And the invisibility cloak? Do you know who sent it to me? Ah, your father happened to leave it in my possession. I thought you might like it. Dumbledore's eyes twinkled. Useful things. Your father used it mainly for sneaking off the kitchens to steal food when he was here. And there's nothing else. Nothing else. Fire away. Quirrell, said Snape. Professor Snape, Harry? Yes, him. Quirrell said he hates me, but because he hated my father. Is that true? Well, they didn't rather detest each other, not unlike yourself and Mr. Malfoy. And then your father did something Snape could never forget. What? He saved his life. What? Yes. Dumbledore dreamily. Funny the way people's minds work, isn't it? Because Dumbledore couldn't bear being in your father's debt. I do believe he worked so hard to protect you this year because he felt that would make him and your father quits. Then he could go back to hating your father's memory in peace. Harry tried to understand this, but made his head pound, and he stopped. And, sir, there's one more thing. Just the one. How did I get the stone out of the mirror? Ah, now I'm glad you asked me that. It's one of the most brilliant ideas. It's between you and me. That's saying something. You see, only one who wanted to find the stone, find it, but not use it, would be able to get it otherwise. They just see themselves m making gold or drinking the exiler of life. My brain surprises even me sometimes. Now, enough questions. I suggest you to start of these sweets. Ah, Bertie Botts, every flavor of beans. I was unfortunate enough to, in my youth to come across a vomit-flavored one, and since then I'm afraid I've rather lost my liking for them. But I think it's be safe with a nice toffee. Don't you? He smiled and popped the golden brown bean into his mouth. Then he choked and said, Alas, earwax. Adam Pomfrey, the matron, was a nice woman, but very strict. Just five minutes, Harry pleaded. Absolutely not. He let Professor Dumbledore in. But of course, that was the headmaster. Quite different. You need rest. I am resting, look, lying down and everything. Oh, go on, Madame Pomfrey. Oh, very well, she said, but only five minutes. And she let Ron and Hermione in. Harry! Hermione looked ready to fling her arms around him again, but Harry was glad she held herself in his, as his head was still very sore. Oh, Harry, we were sure you were going to Dumbledore. We were so worried. The whole's been talking about it, said Ron. What really happened? It was one of those rare occasions when the truth story is even more strange and exciting than the wild rumors. Harry told them everything. Quirrell, the mirror, the stone, and Voldemort. Ron and Hermione were a very good audience. They gasped in all the right places. And when Harry told them what was under Quirrell's turban, Hermione screamed out loud. So, the stone's gone. 
said Ron finally. Flamel's just gonna die. That's what I said. But Dumbledore thinks that, what is it? To the well-organized mind, death is... But the next great adventure? Oh, we said he was off his rocker, said Ron, looking quite impressed at how mad the hero was. So what happened to you two? said Harry. Well, I got back all right, said Hermione. I brought Ron round. That took a while. We were dashing up the alley to contact Dumbledore when we just met him in the entrance hall. He already knew, he said. Harry's gone after him, hasn't he? And hurried off to the third floor. Do you think he meant you to do it? said Ron, sending your father's cloak and everything. Well, Hermione, if he did, I mean, that's just terrible. You could have been killed. No, it isn't, said Harry thoughtfully. He's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he sort of wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here. You know, I reckon he had a pretty good idea we were going to try. And instead of stopping us, he taught us enough to help. I don't think it was an accident he let me find out how the mirror worked. It's almost like he thought I had the right to face Voldemort, if I could. Yeah, Dumbledore's barking all right said Ron proudly. Listen, you've got to be up for the end of the year fest tomorrow. The points are all in in Sunderland 1, of course. You missed the last quarter match. We were streamrolled by Ravenclaw without you. But the food will be good. At that moment, Madame Pomfrey bustled over. You've had nearly 15 minutes. Now out! She said firmly. After a good night's sleep, Harry felt Nearly back to normal. I want to go to the feast, he told Madame Pomfrey as she straightened his many sweet boxes. I can, can't I? Professor Dumbledore says you'll be allowed to go, she says, sniffling, as though her opinion, Professor Dumbledore, didn't realize how risky feasts could be. And you have another visitor. Oh, good, said Harry. Who is it? Hagrid slided through the door as he spoke. As usual, when he was indoors, Hagrid looked too big to be allowed. He sat next to Harry, took one look at him, and burst into tears. It's all my ruddy fault, he sobbed, his face in his hands. I told the evil git how to get past Fluffy. I told him it was the only thing he didn't know, and I told him he could have died for a dragon egg. I'll never drink again. I should be chucked out, and... Made to live as a muggle. Hagrid! said Harry, shocked to see Hagrid shaking with his grief and remorse, great tears leaking down into his beard. Hagrid, he have found out somehow. This is Voldemort we're talking about. He said he found out even if you hadn't told him. You could have died, sobbed Hagrid, and don't you say his name. Voldemort! Harry bellowed, and Hagrid was so shocked he stopped crying. I've met him, and I'm calling him by his name. Please cheer up, Hagrid. We've saved the stone. It's gone. He can't use it. Have a chocolate frog. I've got loads. Hagrid wiped his nose on the back of his hand and said, This reminds me about your present. It's not a stout sandwich, is it? Said Harry anxiously, and at last Harry, Hagrid gave him a weak chuckle.
Nah, the model gave me the day off yesterday to fix it. Course he should have sacked me instead. Anyway, I got you this. It seemed to be a handsome leather covered book. He opened it curiously. It was full of wizard photographs. Smiling and waving at him, and every page were his mother and father. He sent owls off to your parents' old friends asking for photos. Knew you didn't have any. Do you like it? Harry couldn't speak, but Hagrid understood. Harry made his way down to the end of the year feast alone that night. He had been held up by Madame Pomfrey fussing about, insisting on giving him one last checkup. So the great hall was already full. It was decked out in the Slytherin colours of green and silver to celebrate. Slytherin was winning the House Cup for the seventh year in a row. A huge banner showing the Slytherin serpent covered the wall behind the high table. When Harry walked in there, there was a sudden hush, and then everybody started talking loudly at once. He slipped into a seat between Ron and Hermione at the Gryffindor table and tried to ignore the fact that people were standing up to look at him. Fortunately, Dumbledore arrived moments later. The babble died away. Another year gone, Dumbledore said cheerfully, and I must trouble you with an old man's wheezing waffle before we sink our teeth into this delicious feast. What a year it has been. Hopefully your heads are all a little fuller than they were. You have the whole summer ahead together nice and empty, before next year starts. Now, I understand that the house here needs a warding, and the points stand thus in fourth place, Gryffindor with 312 points, and third, Hufflepuff with 352, Ravenclaw with 426, and Slytherin, 472. A storm of cheering and stomping broke out from the Slytherin table. Harry could see Malfoy banging his goblet on the table. It was a sickening sight. Yes, yes, well done, Slytherin, said Dumbledore. However, recent events must be taken into account. The room was very chill. Slytherin's smiles faded a little. Ahem, <clears throat> Dumbledore, I have a few last-minute points to dish out. Let me see, yes. First, to Mr. Ron Weasley. Ron went purple in the face. He looked like a radish with a bad sunburn. For the best played game of chess Hogwarts has seen in many years, I award the Gryffindor house 50 points. Gryffindor cheers nearly raised the bewitched ceiling. The stars overhead seemed to quiver. Percy could be the her telling the other prefects, My brother, you know, my youngest brother. Go past McGonagall's giant chess set. At last there was silence again. Second to Miss Hermione Granger. For the use of cool logic, in the face of fire, I award Gryffindor House 50 points. Hermione buried her face into her arms. Harry strongly suspected she had burst into tears. Gryffindors up the, down the table were beside themselves. They were a hundred points up. Third, to Mr. Harry Potter. To Dumbledore, the room went deadly quiet. For pure nerve and outstanding courage, I award Gryffindor House 60 points. The din was deafening. Those who could add up while yelling themselves hoarse knew exactly that Gryffindor now had 472 points, exactly the same as Slytherin. They had drawn for the House Cup, if only Dumbledore had given Harry just one more point. Dumbledore raised his hand 
The room gradually fell silent. There are all kinds of courage, said Dumbledore, smiling. It takes a great deal to, of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. Yes, therefore, I award ten points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. Someone standing outside the Great Hall might well have thought some sort of explosion had taken place. So loud the noise was erupted from the Gryffindor table. Harry, Ron, and Hermione stood up to yell and cheer as Neville, with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. He never won so much as point for Gryffindor before. Harry, still cheering, nudged Ron in the ribs and pointed as Malfoy, who couldn't have been more stunned and horrified if he just had the body-bind curls put on him. Which means, Dumbledore called over the storm of applause, for even Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff were celebrating the downfall of Slytherin. We need a little change of decoration. He clapped his hands an instant. The green hangings became scarlet and the silver became gold. The huge Slytherin serpent vanished and the towering Gryffindor lion took its place. Snape was shaking Professor McGonagall's hand with a horrible forced smile. He cut Harry's eye and Harry knew at once that Snape's feeling towards him hadn't changed one jot. This didn't worry harry it seemed as though life would be back to normal next year or as normal as it ever get in hogwarts it was the best evening of harry's life better than winning at quidditch or christmas or knocking out mountain trolls he would never ever forget tonight harry had almost forgotten that the exams were results were still to come but come they did to their great surprise, both he and Ron passed with good marks. Hermione, of course, came top of the year. Even Neville scraped through, his good herbology mark making up for his absmale potions won. They had hoped that Goyle, who was almost as stupid as he was mean, might be thrown out. But he too passed. It was a shame, but as Ron said, he couldn't have everything in life. And suddenly their wardrobes were empty, their trunks were packed, Neville's toad was found lurking in the corner of the toilets, notes were handed out to all students, warning them not to use magic over the holidays. I always hope they forget to give us these, said Fred Weasley, sadly. Hagrid was there to take them down to the fleet of boats that sailed across the lake. They were boarding the Hogwarts Express, talking and laughing as the countryside became greener and tighter, eating Bertie Boyd's every flavor beans as they sped past muggle towns, pulling off their wizard robes and putting on jackets and coats, pulling into platform nine and three quarters at King's Cross Station. It took quite a while for them all to get off the platform. A wizened old guard was up by the ticket barrier, letting them go through the gate in twos and threes so they didn't attract attention by all bursting out of the solid wall at once and alarming the muggles you must come stay this summer said ron both of you i'll send you an owl thanks said harry i'll need something to look forward to people jostled them as they moved forward towards the gateway back into the muddle world some of them called bye harry see ya pot still famous said ron grinning at him not where i'm going i promise you said Harry. He, Ron, and Hermione passed through the gateway together. There he is! Mom! There he is! Look! It was Ginny Weasley, Ron's younger sister. 
But she wasn't pointing at Ron. Harry Potter! She squealed. Look, Mum, I can't see. Be quiet, Ginny. It's rude to point. Mrs. Weasley smiled down at her. Busy up, she said. Very, said Harry. Thanks for fudge and the jumper, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, it was nothing, dear. Ready, are you? It was Uncle Vernon, still purple-faced, still moustached, still looking furious at the nerve of Harry, carrying an owl in the cage in a station full of ordinary people. Behind him stood Aunt Petunia and Dudley, looking terrified at the very sight of Harry. You must be Harry's family, said Mrs. Weasley, in a manner of speaking, said her Uncle Vernon. Hurry up, boy, we haven't got all day. He walked away. Harry hung back for a last word with Ron and Hermione. See you over the summer, then. Hope you have a good holiday, said Hermione, looking uncertainly after Uncle Vernon shocked that anyone could be so unpleasant. Oh, I will, said Harry, and they were surprised at the grin that was spreading over his face. They don't know that we're not allowed to use magic at home. I'm going to have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer. And that is the end of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I hope you enjoyed me reading this wonderful book. And I hope you will come in the next season in which I will be reading Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. It's my second favorite book of the series. And now since we've finished the first book, there will be a very special episode coming out. And I hope that you all will join me and we will also finish the second book together. So until then, I hope you all are well, and bye!